Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So here it is, episode one of the Early Work Lost episodes. How exciting. As you can see from the title, the guest this week is Hugh Dennis. Absolute British comedy legend, TV and radio. You'll know him from Mock the Week, brackets R.O.P., a single tear rolls down my cheek. You'll know him from, that sounded like early work, didn't it there? Um, You'll know him from The Now Show, which continues to live on forever and ever, never to die. Um, Outnumbered, all sorts of stuff. He's done loads of stuff. I think he did a history documentary um, about buildings, about old buildings. Anyway, watch all of his stuff. He's obviously absolutely fantastic. And I was very thrilled and very lucky to have him on early work. And I feel quite bad that this episode didn't get released. We recorded it, I think, in 2021. It's taken until now for me to release it. He probably did have something to plug. That's why he did it. And of course, it's long in the past now, and I can't remember what it was, so here we are. But it's a fantastic episode, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, Some revelations in there, his real name comes out. Um, I get to use the phrase Parisian Disco, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, He's obsessed with military precision timings, he's like a nerdy, geography-obsessed little boy who obviously would later go on to be called Desky as revealed on Taskmaster. There you go. There's another of his credits. Taskmaster. He ends on a murder mystery with some classic Hugh Dennis voiceover work in there that you'll know and love. Um, Thank you very much to Hugh for his time. Thank you to Neil Fern, who did the edit on this episode a long time ago and helped me getting it all together for the release of these. Thank you, of course, to Global and Radio X for allowing me to release all of these episodes. And without further ado, episode one of the Lost Episodes, Hugh Dennis. Now, Hugh, if I had to guess what you were like at school, and I do, because yeah. it's the first format point of the show, what I've gone with is boffin, narc, swat. <laughs> I reckon that Hugh Dennis is the epitome of a teacher's pet. And not just because you gleefully give the correct answers on Mock the Week every week. I would just, I'd, I'd say if a teacher said, 
I need someone sensible to take this note to another teacher. They wouldn't have to think twice about asking you. No. Um, obviously, you're very smart because um, and presumably got exceptional grades given your university destination and most of your output ever since. But also, I'm going to predict you were very popular despite all of this because I think you were probably good at sport based on the fact I know you play a lot of football now. I don't think that really carries on that much in adult life if you weren't smashing it at school. Um, I'll also put you down as a cricket captain in this guess. Possibly went on some sort of cricket or football tours abroad with school, which were formative in social experiences, maybe where you've got drunk for the very first time. Um, because of your studiousness and likability, I'm going to put you down for a leadership role. Uh, I, always, I often guess that my guests were some sort of prefect, um, but that's usually because they comedians seem like they wanted to be a prefect whereas for you, well, you i think you probably uh no i went I, i've talked about this a lot on this oh, okay. podcast i ran for head ran for head boy to do the speech and lost how do you run um, for and head I'm boy fine with it. were you voted on oh we had we had hustings yeah oh, no we Within, didn't oh, wait that. wait before you say this I, I need i've got this right then because i've literally <laughs> yeah. put yeah go on you've got I put, you've got head boy written all over you, but you wouldn't have been desperately campaigning for it. You'd have just been the obvious choice and would have been sort of lifted into it and accepted it. Like, yeah, if that's what you all want. Um, <laughs> that's what, so clearly yeah. that's correct. Yeah, no, that is correct. Uh, yeah. I've but got one is. final prediction. Yeah. So these are all, they're pretty standard and I'd say pretty obvious. Um, but this final one, going out on a limb here to say that I reckon you often <laughs> volunteered to run a stall at the school fete because you were too nice to say no. <laughs> Possibly a tombola, possibly a guess how many jelly beans are in this jar. But for the sake of the Mock the Week crowd, I will say it was a jam table. Is any of this other well, than the head boy I thing correct? That last thing is simply not true because we didn't ever have a school <laughs> fate. I've never heard of any school that had a school fate. Who had school fates? <laughs> Come on. No. The schools have school fates. No, we didn't so have you a think... school fate. No one had a school well, fate. Well, where does the phrase school fate come from if there was no such thing? I don't think there, there is a phrase <laughs> school fate. There's yeah, a village there fate. Is. There might be a parish no. fate, but there's no school fate in my world. We used to have we used to have school fates, definitely, well, big time. Not... And you were the sort of guy who'd be at the jam table. I would I could conceivably have done that. I agree with you. The um yeah. pretty much everything in that is true. So I was um was I swatty? I wasn't I wasn't particularly swatty actually, but I was uh, I was at university, but I wasn't at school. Right. Which is a bit odd. And I was head boy. And I was You were head boy and you weren't elected. You just got No, you just like got, it wasn't like a campaign. No, no, no. You just got asked if you would uh, if you would do it. And I was And did they ask one person? Do they so they literally they didn't go like, Oh, do any of you five want to do it? And then four people say no thank you they just went it's got to be it's got to be Hugh they went, it's got to be Hugh uh, or Pete as I was uh, yeah. at that point in a slightly confusing twist in my life um, <laughs> but no I was head boy and I was head boy because I was quite academic although I didn't actually do that well in my A level so I didn't get outstanding grades in any sense ah, okay. in my A levels but I was the captain I wasn't the captain of cricket I was the Ooh. vice captain of cricket. <laughs> oh, come on. That's, that's pretty but, close. <laughs> but I was the captain of football and I was oh, the captain oh. of rugby. So, wow. yeah, I did a lot of, I did a lot of sport. It wasn't really a very good sporting school, though. I, th I was captain of rugby because, you know, I was the one person who could catch it kind of thing. Oh, were you just, did you just have leadership just running through you? I mean, you're, you're the captain of Mock the Week, by the way. You're I'm only captain the captain of life. my side. 
I'm not even that. You're, but there, there's um, no other captain, no, remember, no, so anymore. Else. So you are the, the sole captain of all of these yeah. things. Football. The whole lot. Um, rugby. Head boy. Nearly cricket. Mock the week. Cricket I was uh, really bad at. But because I was the captain of the other two... Yeah, because I was sort of, you know, as you said, I was the kind of boy that if you gave a note to me, I would take it to the headmaster or another Is this the only reason then? Is this the reason that you got captain? It's because you were seen by the actual authority figures, teachers, as just being so reliable and sensible. I think I was very reliable, yeah. But I'd like to think I was quite good at sport. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And sorry, and also the the innate talent that you had. the innate footballing (laughs) talent... (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't that, you know. It, again, as I say, it wasn't a very good. Uh, it wasn't a very good sporty school. Except in some respects, well, I mean, in football, we came second in a thing called. It was a public school in London. It was a day school called University College School, which is in itself rather difficult <laughs> because if you're filling in a form when you leave school, <laughs> yeah. there's always a little box that goes university. Then there's a sort of a forward slash thing, and it goes college and there's another one which goes to school and you're meant to cross out two and then write in the name of your <laughs> educational establishment and I just looked like I'd copied it out and everybody thought no he's a moron he's just gone sounds like someone very bad at improv coming up with a name for a school yeah but we came second in the national public schools wait for it six aside football tournament who plays six aside <laughs> Football. No one except a group well, of public schools who've all decided this is the best way to compete. And we came uh, second. Yeah, and I got nut- I got nutmegged in the final. I was a defender. I got nutmegged by uh, the whoever he was, the centre forward of Oldham Grammar School, uh, and uh, therefore they won. We lost. How did your um, teammates react to that were you were you popular enough that everyone was sort of like ah oh, this happens or were people angry I, th- I don't think they felt a bit sorry for me because it was such an obvious mistake I've got very bow legs by the way as well so being nutmeg to me is I can't actually stop it if you get it <laughs> if you get it through the right bit of my legs there's no way of preventing that but I th- th- well you've listeners a weakness has been revealed. Oh, if ever God, you find yourself so playing in a six, maybe an eight-a-side tournament with you, Dennis, you know where to aim. Yeah. You have to chip it through just above the knee. That's where you have to get it. So would you say that defender is not really the natural position for someone who is so easily manipulatable <laughs> no. on the football pitch? No, possibly. Possibly. But again... I... What type of defender were you? Were you a John Terry kind of captain centre-back leading with brute force? Well, no, not really. It was such a long time ago that the... Um, the position you really wanted to play in defence then was one which no longer exists in the modern football team, which was sweeper. So you played behind... You were the sweeper? I was the sweeper. And I played wow. behind the centre-half, sort of clearing everything up. Everybody else's oh, cock-ups. <laughs> I ran Just, from there we side go. to side of the pitch. <laughs> Clearing up nonsense. Old, reliable Pete Dennis. Just, <laughs> he's sensible, he'll just clear it. We can be, we can play foolishly at centre-back because old, yeah. sensible Pete <laughs> is going to sort this out at the back. He'll run across oh, quite fast God. and sort it out. And then out. once get nutmegged. Yeah. Um, well, is did you go on a... Uh, I mean, as you say, it wasn't really, if it wasn't really a sporting school, maybe not. I, I did know, predict did. that you went on some sort of football tour abroad. Yeah, we went to uh, Holland 
to play football. We went to uh, How did that go? Amsterdam. Well, they were clearly at that point playing total football and we were playing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> North London football. So I think in, probably it didn't go that well. I can't remember really. But I remember... Did you uh, have formative social experiences on that tour? I sort of did on a, I did on a rugby tour. We went to Paris on yeah. a rugby tour. And um, I think I, I first sort of proper snog, I think, on the rugby tour, as far as I remember. I can't remember how old I was. Sort of embarrass, embarrassingly old, I, I suspect. To, to me, a rugby tour is an extremely laddie um, group. It's extremely yeah. laddie experience. The rugby tour you'd be describing. I presume it wasn't a mixed rugby tour. So you, what, snogged a Parisian? Yeah. Uh, so we um, we played a <laughs> oh <my> um, <laughs> we played a, a French school, which uh, some lycée in Paris, I think, who um, beat us. I think clearly, I can't remember. But they there was a sort of disco afterwards, their school and us, and uh, yeah, I can't go into the details mainly because I can't remember them. But that is, I mean. Just what a story for your first snog. Most people's is like, mine was just like at my friend's house and then it was with his girlfriend's mate who was there. So it was out of pure convenience. And yours is having just been defeated. Yeah, I think so. By a French rugby. Yeah. You you have a snog at a Parisian disco for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds more glamorous now you're saying it. No. Oh my god, it's incredible! They gave you a. I can't even believe you had a. You you went. You got to go to the mixed school dicks disco. That um, I find that they they're like to. I don't know to have an international rugby tour and then go. Do you guys want to come? We're having this party afterwards. Do you want to come to that? I find a bit mind boggling. Yeah. Maybe it's because I never went on one of these uh, sporting. I think tours. also because I was the captain of that particular team. They. Um, I was regarded as a sort of uh, trophy. Uh, by the, <laughs> which is certainly not something that I was regarded as <laughs> in London. I think that's probably yeah. why it happened in Paris, to be honest. Yeah. So they won the rugby and they won yeah. the Pete the, Dennis trophy as well. <laughs> yeah, the very unsatisfactory snog outside in the cold in Paris. Yeah. That is such a great story of a first snog. I'm so jealous. But uh, so, I, I mean, I was right. I can't believe I even got that right, which is the formative social experiences on a sporting tour. I mean, it wasn't bang on, but it was pretty close. Um, I mean, that's pretty accurate then. I mean, a lot of these predictions are usually quite accurate, but the only thing I missed was I, uh, the, the school fake thing simply because they didn't exist. But you have agreed that if they did exist, that would have yeah. been you. So I also, I'm going to take it. You also said that my exam results would have been uh, very good. And actually, they really weren't. So my A-level results, in which I was predicted really good A-levels, I completely cocked up my A-levels. And I got, um, I think my, gra- what did you get in your A-levels? Just so I... Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I got three A's and a B or something. Beautiful. There was a B in there. The B was in the topic I was then doing at uni and it was the easiest one and I just had a shocker. Right. But I got well, you get, A's you had and a, a shocker B. to get a B. Right, okay. So I Well, got... I mean, it was just like a nailed on. It was just like the most nailed on A possible and then it's the one that I screwed up compared to the others. I um, So I got a brother who's two and a half years older than me and is, was he's uh, very clever. So I decided that my in my A-levels, 
I wouldn't do any of the subjects, apart from geography, which I wanted to do at university. I uh, wouldn't do any of the A-levels that he'd done, even if I was good at them, <laughs> which was nuts. <laughs> I mean, what a weird way to choose your A-levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did maths and physics, which is kind of a bit strange, actually. And in maths, I got, so I got an A in geography, and then I got a B in maths, and then in physics, which I really didn't understand from the first week of doing it, I got an E in physics. Wow. And I sent it back to be remarked, or my parents did, or school did, or something. And um, it wasn't changed, but they did say it was a very high E. <laughs> <laughs> it was nearly a D. And I remember the day that the result came, and I thought, you know, they come in capital letters on that re- letter that you get. And I thought, they've just forgotten to join the ends of this E up. A short. <laughs> What you Surely were really that convinced God it was a B? That must be a B. Well, I think I'm it, trying to think of like a physics E equals MC squared joke where you yeah. get the results and it says MC squared, but I'm not even sure that is physics. So uh, no, it is. I mean, yeah, it is physics. It is. Yeah. yeah well, I'm not going to trust your judgment, no. mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd be right to. Anyway, it all worked. It all worked out fine in the end. Yeah, you don't actually have to show your A-level results to get on Mock of the Week. No, um, not really. Although I have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What prompted that? Mo- what, so, what made you go? I mean, you've already done a funny thing, which is to actively make your life harder at A level, yeah. which is just like it, it to me shows the sort of um, self-sabotaging streak you need to be a comedian. The sort of thing you just go, oh, it's it's kind of funny to do this. It it massively ruins my life, but whatever, it's funny. Like how comedians, if you know stand-ups especially, if something bad happens in a stand-up's life, the instinct is great there's five minutes i've got a new yeah, five exactly minutes. every disaster is an anecdote isn't it which i've used it's taken a while to use that particular one for me but <laughs> it's now finally paid. i've invented a podcast <laughs> it's now paid off um exactly it's all always there in the back so you left the desk and then you were like what what's the moment because if you've done you're doing geography at cambridge and you're called desk because that's how well only amongst a select group of people i mean i'm not it's not the whole university isn't calling me desk clearly so right so you're not walking through the campus and everyone's going desk (laughs) (laughs) well maybe maybe a bit um (laughs) (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to do that no no um and then it just seems like quite a leap to just go from that and then you're just in comedy. So, like, you, then you just suddenly start doing comedy. Is it as simple as that? You just ra- just kind of randomly went, oh, yeah, let's just do some... I'll just do some stand-up. Yeah, sort of. But in, ca- in Cambridge, you know, there's this thing called the, the Footlights, which had produced, you know, the Pythons and Fry and Laurie and Emma Thompson, you know, uh, yeah. people like that. Which, before I went, hard as it is to believe, I'd never heard of. Right, I just didn't I didn't know they existed. Really? And I relied. <laughs> on, I had a mate who I'd been at school with, who was at the college next door. Who about halfway through the second year went, "Have you heard of Have you heard of this thing, Footlights?" And I went, "No, not really." Well, look, if, I think you and I should write a sketch, maybe, and you take it along and you perform it in front of the, this group of eight of them, their committee, and if we're any good, you get get to perform it the next night, sort of in public. And I went, do you want to do that? And I went, yeah, well, that sounds, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so you convinced me right. to do it, and I can't even remember what the sketch was, but we, we wrote probably a terrible, terrible sketch, and we took it along, 
and someone laughed and uh, and that was literally it then i was sort of because uh, as you know it is incredibly seductive isn't it laughter yeah. that sort of right at root that's sort of why you're doing it oh yeah, yeah yeah so did you then so you then got invited to come back the next night and perform it to an audience so we performed it to an audience and then you know we wrote a bit more and at the end of that year i got i was asked to be in the sort of shows you know so the footlights did a they did a late night one term they did a panto uh, and they took a show to edinburgh and toured it around the country ended up at edinburgh actually or maybe it was the other way around maybe we started at edinburgh and then worked our way around the country but it was a sort of um i'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like this now but it was sort of it was like, almost like a professional theatre to it. It was in really quite big sort of uh, sort of venues and, and ending up ending up in Edinburgh. Have I lied there? Am I imagining that? Where did we do it? Maybe you did <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we didn't do it. Maybe I'm just I'm conflating. I think no, I do think I think but in those days that Footlights was a, had a reputation big enough maybe we didn't do <laughs> anyway we took it to Edinburgh we certainly took it to Edinburgh and um, you know we did a, a month selling out the George Square Theatre which is quite sort of a big place that's like a few hundred seats right yeah or is it bigger than that uh, I, do you know, uh, you'd have to ask Steve Punt. He he knows all that interior, how many seats there are thing. I, uh, Steve Punt's not not available for the podcast. But, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. We um, certainly did it. We certainly did it in quite a few places. I oh, know we did. Uh, uh, I think I remember what we did. We did, a, we did like two weeks or something at the Arts Theatre, which is a big professional theatre in Cambridge, and then went to Edinburgh, I think is what we did. I don't think we did anywhere in between. But to be honest can't remember and for context for listeners so like when you do a if you do often your first experience of edinburgh is doing a show to at most in a sort of 40 seater yeah uh usually to about six people so like for someone to go i mean obviously different time etc and it's the footlights so it's got the heft of the footlights and the footlights still do play big venues but to get to go and have your first experience in i presume very well selling uh you know, a few hundred seaters. Yeah, and you know, Pretty. it was a ridiculous sort of thing because the, the footlights, because it had such a reputation in the past, and because you know, four years or so before I went, the you know the footlight show was Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Emma Thompson, Tony Slattery, and uh, a guy called Paul Shearer and Robert Bathurst, I think. Because it, it had been so successful, they'd gone straight from uh, Edinburgh, the show in Edinburgh, to BBC One or BBC Two or something. And there was nothing <laughs> in between. It's literally nothing in between. So uh, uh, all subsequent shows sort of played on that, played on that reputation, really. So uh, Footlight sold a lot of tickets to the extent that Footlights, as a university society, if you think about your kind of university photographic society or whatever it is of a (laughs) canoeing club or whatever it was. (laughs) Footlights had their own car. We bought a car, which we... (laughs) Now you you sound like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've got a van. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. um, So we're fine. We had a red Ford Cortina. (laughs) 
that you could, <laughs> you could borrow. Bought by the society. Bought by the society, yeah, which you could borrow and, uh, you know, sort of drive around if you felt like it. That is amazing that you had this reputation. So people obviously are going to watch your group of Footlights on the basis that, well, the last group immediately have a show on BBC One. So you are you are seeing the next version. You're, like, you're seeing the next people to be on BBC One before they're on BBC One, was, I presume, how all these things get sold and what people would have been thinking when they went. Yeah. And that is kind of like... Go and watch the Cambridge rugby team. The last Cambridge rugby team won the World Cup. Yes, exactly. So now you get to see them yeah. before they win the World Cup. You get to see them before they're in Wembley. This is going to be huge. But um, but it also it also amazing. had the thing whereby um, when you did it in Cambridge at the Arts Theatre, the Guardian sort of national newspapers came to review the show, and um, which I still quote it. But basically, the quote for me it just went. Hugh Dennis, or Peter Dennis, as I was then, went, Peter Dennis, a tall young man. That was it. That was the... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Peter Dennis, a tall young man, and then nothing else. Yeah. Did, you st- did you put that on posters yeah, for Yeah, no, bit? I've used that for a year. Tall young man. But now, I've had the... people have got taller. I'm not as tall, or I'm shrinking. I, just, I don't seem tall, do I? I'm not and tall I, next I to Dara, to you. am I? You're not as you're not as young anymore either. No, I don't know that's if you true. can still get away with any of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man, just you have to have man, man, man yeah, the guardian. Yeah. Um, I've had ones where it's like uh, I've had a number of reviews actually that start with looking like the kid you bullied at school. Reese James comes onto the stage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like, well, hang on, hang on. So you're just assuming everyone everyone who reads reviews is a bully, are you? <laughs> kid <laughs> you bullied at school yeah, you specifically <laughs> not, you. not who was bullied no. at school the kid you bullied at and school is that yeah. true were you bullied um, at school no I did the very clever and um, cowardly tactic of becoming the bully's mate oh that's clever uh, I was like the little sidekick just, just for pure protection so that because I, I was such bully fodder because I was tiny yeah. um, I was just like oh who's the bully alright I'll just befriend him and make little snide comments and be the sidekick did you make him tea and, and stuff uh, go and get him uh, curly <laughs> yeah. whirlies and stuff what were you doing foot massages and stuff no I was just like um, I was the wise I was the wisecracker you know I was just there you know making funny comments quietly to him that and then he would then say them you know you're how like, like a politicians jester. you're like a jester in a medieval court yeah i was absolutely like a court jester and you know when like a vice president or a president has someone in their ear saying this is you know this is so and so yeah uh, he's a journalist from this so that you can go oh hi and then you know all the information i was kind of like that but just for like little f- funny comments but what were you suggesting what were you sarcastic. suggesting to the the bully little nasty things to say yeah, <laughs> little uh, little little roast, little roast, little, little roast battle lines. <laughs> so when I got asked to do roast battle, I was like, oh, finally! As long as I can get, as long as I can get Luke back to say the lines, I'm happy to. Uh... Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I've got to say, I'm very intrigued by um, what you've brought. <laughs> because it sort of seems like, well, I didn't do anything. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I am really wondering what this might be. What I brought, there was a radio thing. Oh, I've, I've found very, very little, because I don't think I did very much of it. What I have discovered, you'll like this, because I think it's an insight into the man who did uh, geography and the middle-aged man who's fascinated by <laughs> roots. I found this... Okay which is the first day it's my diary it's the first, I was I was uh, 11 I think and I went on a primary school trip to Conway in Wales right and this is sort of creative writing they say please write a report on the morning afternoon and evening of Saturday and I've taken this very very literally I'm doing it in terms of an actual really report on it Right, here we go. Shall I read it to you? Is this how this yes, works? Please, is this yeah. the format? Right. <laughs> yeah. You're a big fan, are you? Yeah, big fan. Here we go. This is uh, my news report on my morning, afternoon and evening of Saturday. And then there's no date, but it's sometime in the summer of 1973. I arrived at school at 25 past eight. I think it's crucial to get the time absolutely <laughs> feeling very excited with me were my mum and dad the first thing I did when I, was, I arrived was to carry the water flasks from the cloakroom to the coach so there again you're right in your estimation of what I would have done I was, wasn't only my own water flask I was carrying everybody the water flask All trusted to carry yeah. everyone's water flask. all the parents were standing around talking to each other or to their children at eight minutes past nine <laughs> We finally left. Soon we were on the M1 and we passed many strange vehicles, <laughs> including two... But sorry, you, you passed what? Mainstream no, vehicles? No, many strange vehicles. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Including, wait for it, two pleasure boats and a very large caravan on a lorry. At ten past nine, <laughs> which can't be right because they only left... Uh, Oh, it was eight minutes to... All right, so it took 20 minutes. Okay. At ten past nine, we passed Watford and went into the Chalk Hills. How do I know they were Chalk Hills? <laughs> Early fascination with geography. Soon, we were in uh, Luton and saw the famous factories of Vauxhall and Whitbread. <laughs> At 25 past ten... Very keen on time. We made our first stop at Watford Gap. We entered Birmingham at 22.11. I clearly had a watch, didn't I? And went over the famous spaghetti. I think I've missed out Junction at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> went over the famous spaghetti from which I saw a radio mast. After spaghetti, we moved on to the M6 from which I saw many more radio masts, wooden and metal. Also on the M6, we stopped at a Trust House Forte service station. Immediately after this... Stephen Young and I had a second game of chess. What were we doing? Stephen won the first game, but luckily this one ended in stalemate. And after that, I decided to go to sleep. But unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> after the M6, we went on to the M54. And soon after, we joined, the, uh, we joined it. 
hang on, we made our third stop, where we had our lunch, mine consisting of Jaffa cakes and sandwiches. Nice. Wow. After that, we made steady progress, soon reached Wales at 20 past one and crossed the River Dee. We didn't go into them, but on our left, we saw the Welsh mountains. <laughs> About two hours later, we arrived in Conway after a long and interesting journey and discovered the coach was stopping a long way from Beechwood Court and we were faced with the prospect of carrying our suitcases up the steep hill to the house. But luckily, they were brought up by taxi. I would like to say this was a very ordinary state primary school. <laughs> That <laughs> sounds incredibly posh. Me and Stephen Young and Nicholas Krieger all share a little room, a little bungalow in the grounds of Beechwood Court, which we immediately surveyed. It's quite nice with four beds, one unused, two wardrobes, two radiators, two mirrors, and a chest of drawers. It is painted. Tonight we climbed Conway Mountain. It was a long and interesting walk. And that's it. I mean, okay, I've got a lot of notes. Yeah, well, I'm uh, not surprised. If they about the timings? I mean, I, well, the timings comes into it, which is, I mean, yeah, just like what? So any time anything happened when you were a kid, you just looked at your watch and made it, and just wrote something, wrote down, like, in, like you're in the military. Yeah. Um, I think, the other thing is, yeah. I'd just like to reiterate yeah. in my prediction yeah. how I opened, yeah. which is boffin, narc, swat. Yeah. Um, because there's a few things here. You, chess, second game. When you said that, it was like, right, yeah. we had our second game of chess on a school trip. Um, you were so excited by the wood and metal radio masts. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> Wood a, and metal. I know, there's a second section here, which goes, after lunch, we went to the aluminium factory and saw Teflon saucepans <laughs> being made. It was very interesting, the way they put on the Teflon. First, there was molten <laughs> aluminium, which is eventually made into the shape of saucepans. And when they were cool, they were coated with Teflon. Yeah. Hey. Unbelievable. You... I mean, what an ex... It's pretty extensive M1 knowledge for a kid, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I know you just take it in your yeah, surroundings, but it, just to even say the M1 and not the road or yeah, the well, motorway I lived as a kid. near the M1. I think it was... Um... The detail. Yeah. Watford, Luton. Um, I really like the way you say... We've got we got to pass the famous factories of Vauxhall. Yeah. <laughs> as, if, I know. as if this has been talked about for years. I mean, I've seen these factories on TV. This is what this is incredible. Has this show um, incidentally ever sent any, anyone into a sort of crisis? Because I'm feeling that that might happen to me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a mix between people going. Oh, my God, I was actually a genius. And people going, Jesus Christ, what I have know. I agreed to do? <laughs> what am I doing? There was one moment, Hugh, in your reading of it, um, where you did, your, your uh, voiceover instinct kicked in and um, you paused to, to momentarily sort of advertise Jaffa Cakes. Oh, okay. Uh, you sort of delivered it. It was great. You sort of were just reading it normally. And then you sort of went, I had a lunch of. And then you looked at me on the Zoom and very slowly went, Jaffa cakes, and I was like, "Oh, this guy—he's just got it, hasn't he? He just knows. He just knows when to switch it on because they, you know, you never know who could be." I've listening. never done a biscuit. Actually, that's a lie. I have done a bit. I did a bit. I did a biscuit called uh, McVitie's Miss Bits, which was a McVitie's biscuit, but without any bits in it. I mean, it makes sure it does what it <laughs> says on the tin. So, you, where you would normally expect a sultana, there were there was nothing, and I think I had to say. McVitie's misbits. Life's a lot better when you misbits. That's all I can remember. Wow, I love it. I it's just, oh, it's just, it's electric. That is electrifying to hear that. Um, 
Well, that is a very, I mean, that's a pretty good insight into the, the child. How old would you have been then? I think I was possibly 11, possibly still 10. It's just very, um, yeah. I mean, it's very detailed, it's very literal. Yeah. It's like, I know you said, yeah, it's a report, but it's, it has military precision. It's, I do uh, yeah, like to know where enough. I am, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'd like to know where uh, I am. That's all I'm saying. Is there, um, do you have any other stuff? Oh, God, yeah. Um, so that was my, I'll show you my school journey folder there. Can you see that? I painted that after. Oh, yeah. Seen. It's good, isn't it? Lovely. Then I left that school and went to uh, secondary school. And at secondary school, oh, hang on, this might be from... Um, this is even earlier. This is the story of flight. <laughs> Project on the story of flight. It's not very good, to be honest. It's a, chapter one, bird men. Man has always wanted to fly. He looked at the birds and tried to copy them. They made wings of real feathers held together by wax. Who did? I, d I don't answer that question. He used, to tie them to, he, he used to tie them to his arms and legs and jump off towers and tried to fly. Lots of people killed themselves because they didn't realise they were not strong enough. Yeah, it's good. Enough. <laughs> I mean, again, it's all very literal. It's very true. There's not that's less yeah, detailed. So you've know. given up on the uh, information yeah, overload. But then there's lots of pictures. I drew a magnificent picture of a Hawker Sidley Vulcan bomber. That's all I'm saying. I think that's very much <laughs> it's down the same sort of route, isn't it? To be honest. Yeah, information. It's, it's nice. Information, it's information. Yeah. You know. You know what you like. And then when I was... Uh, so this was this was also 1973, but I think I'd started at a new school by then. I then wrote a ballad about my class. We, we oh. all had to try and write stuff. So, yeah. Oh, 1974. Yeah, there, it was 1974. And I was in a class called 5D. And it was D because of Mr Dean. So I wrote this ballad about... All my mates in the class who were, his name were, uh, it was a Jacobs, a Gershon, a guy called Jeremy Bliss, um, all in the class. And um, so I wrote this. Here we go. Do you want to hear this? Yes, please. This is The Ballad of 5D, 1974. The ink, it flew from Jacob's pen across the dreaded room and landed on young Gershon's head, who fell down with a boom. The class, it fell on Jacobs, who felt it was his doom. Then Gershon picked him up and threw him right across the room. The dreaded Dean, he entered and took Bliss by the hair. I'm innocent, the young boy said. I wasn't even there. It wasn't me, said Jacobs, said Gershon. No, nor me, said dreaded Dean to all the class. 340, class DT. The muffled cry of, oh no, came rising from the floor. And there sat poor old Jacobs. He could not take much more. The time it was 3.40, the DT had arrived, and all the class of 5D were doing 5 times 5. The 5 times 5 was boring. The class were like old men, except for Peter Dennis, who was chewing on his pen. I've swallowed it, he cried aloud, the loudest he could shout. It's stuck inside my throat, I think. How shall I get it out? Swallowed what? said Mr Dean, who raised a piercing eye. My pen, said Peter Dennis. I hope I shall not die. The ambulance, it did arrive, and took the lad away, said Mr Dean to all the class. That's all, boys, for today. Dennis was back next morning, as happy as could be. 
His pen was in his hand again, through clever surgery. There is a moral to this tale, and this is what it be. If after school you're ravenous, it's best to wait for tea. <laughs> that is so good. That's just, I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. That's like, a, that's like a Spike Milligan poem. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean it must have been influenced by someone or something. But anyway, there you go. It's Let's like, it's the... The, the, it's when you were 11 it's when I was a bit the meter <laughs> the meter of it alone is like flawless this it's so the syllables are perfect in every line yeah. the the way you word things is you know the tenses change in the way poetry does there's the way speech happens I mean also true to form there is a line in there which is the time it was 340 which oh, is yeah, I mean, classic you no absolutely me yeah <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake, I like to know where I am. What a great... Oh. So uh, the ink is flying around. Also, like, there's there's themes in it. It's thematic. There's motifs. Because it starts... What's interesting, it starts with ink is flying around the class. Yeah. And you think that's just, you know, that, that's just setting the scene. That's not really relevant. And then the end of the story is that someone, you... Me. ...swallows a pen... It's like a foreshadowing opening line. I cannot believe how good that is. It and is... I, um, the fact you were 11. Yeah, no, I was 11. But, uh, yeah, that got in the school magazine. Unbelievable. That was in the school well, so, magazine. Well, so it should. And also, you had a school magazine, did you? You had a school magazine. <laughs> you had a school fate, so you can shut up. No one, <laughs> no one has a school yeah. fate, do they? <laughs> well, I can see where school your school fate, fate budget fate, went yeah. on all the bloody printing, the mate. Um, <clears throat> did every, so everyone wrote a ballad, I presume. And, well, everyone had uh, to write class. something. I also wrote another one, but this may give you an indication of what... So I wrote a ballad about St Swithin. Do you know the thing about St Swithin? And St Swithin's day and it raining for 40 days and all that stuff. Do you okay. know that? Okay. If it rains nope. on St Swithin's day, which is... I can't tell you when it is, but it, um, it will then rain for 40 more days. Right. So I wrote right. this ballad about St Swithin. I don't know why. But it's the last bit that I like. I'll read it to you anyway. He goes, um, There lived a man in Winchester of wisdom and renown. We think of him in summer when the rain comes pouring down. His name was Bishop Swithin, a good and trusted man, who showed his wrath to Winchester for the breaking of his ban. He ordered when he passed away his body be outside and not within the noble church, a place for men of pride. And when the humble bishop died, they carried out his order. They dug a grave and placed him in outside the church's border. A century did pass away, the bishop lay to rest. But even so, the chapter and dean were painfully distressed. They said it's wrong for such a man, a man of fame and grace, to be interred outside the church in such a lowly place. And so the masons set to work to build a splendid shrine of stone and wood and colours laid in intricate design. And so, one sunny July morn, they opened up his tomb, and as they did so, heavily, the skies began to boom. And as they brought him into church, the rain began to fall and never ceased for 40 days to show the bishop's gall. And still the saint reveals his rage for rain on Swithin's day will not let up for just as long or so some people say. Right, so I wrote that. And then at the bottom, <laughs> at the bottom, I've gone, because, you know, honesty and everything, I've gone, this ballad was written with a lot of discussion with my mother who gave me suggestions. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that is so she sweet. Also, he refused. Yeah, she also she, he wrote, gave her a writing credit. <laughs> she also wrote three lines of the last verse. And then uh, at the top, my teacher's gone, thank you for telling me this, but I imagine the actual execution of the poem, choice of words, etc., is almost entirely your own. Um, well done. <laughs> Eight, yeah, 18, I mean, yeah, yeah they, they're going to back you. Yeah. If you're going to be that honest and you're going to have the sensible reputation that you've got, yeah, they're going to exactly. go... Yeah. I'm sure you didn't nick it, mate. I mean, that is, again, it's a beautiful poem. Um, it's 15th of July since Withers Day, it turns out. Producer Neil has just um, messaged to say yeah. it's a useless fact that he knows. And you do say one July morn is when you dig him up. Um, these are so insanely well written that I'm blown well, away by the ballads. being 11. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're, yeah, they're incredible. I mean, did you, I know you handed these in for sort of homework and stuff. The Ballad of 5D especially, was there any, would there have been any kind of reading that aloud to the class at oh, any point? Oh, possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember it if there was. Been, so it been. wasn't, okay, so at least it, it didn't go terribly then or you would... No, no, I would, know, would have remembered that, yeah. I would have yeah. remembered that. Um, be- I mean, those are beautiful okay, reading, poems. Actually, reading something out at school is one of the reasons I think I ended up doing what I'm doing now. So in, um, in my final year at school, I was... Uh, head boy as you have pointed out and um, so I had to do a speech on speech day to the whole of the school now because I'd finished my A-levels about you know three or four days before speech day I went with a load of mates there were five of us to play golf I'd never played golf but I had a couple of mates who played golf and we went up to Stanmore Golf Course and we went round it as a five, which you just don't do. <laughs> and we held up two people behind us and we got a bit freaked out. And uh, so we decided to play very fast. So not really understanding any of the etiquette or whatever you do. I went and stood on the green while my mate Bryn um, hit the ball towards the green. Now, I wasn't looking when he did that. And the ball, genuinely true story, the ball, which was like a lofted eight iron, hit me on the head. Right, as it as it came down <laughs> from the middle of the fairway, and it split my head open on the fourteenth green of Stanmore Golf Course, and I sort of fell. To, I fell to the ground, and um, but the ball bounced off my head to within about a foot and a half from the hole, and Bryn would not take me to Edgware General Hospital until he putted because he would have got a burst. <laughs> And he did. So I went to Edgeware General Hospital. But in order to put the stitches in, there were quite a lot of stitches in this head wing. They had to shave that side of my head. So two days later, as I was, I had to stand up in front of the parents and everyone to do this speech with basically half a head of hair that made me look, I was like a before and after thing for the Harley Hair Clinic. I sort of, <laughs> massive gash. So I thought, you can't just... You cannot just give the, you know, you know, say how well the school's done in sport and what universities people have gone to. You're going to have to tell them the story of why you've got a half a head of hair. And, um, and so I did. And that was sort of it. 
again. It didn't cross your mind to shave the other half. No. <laughs> this is. Are you a cartoon? It's, this is. This is like a pro, This is like an actual comic strip that you're describing as a ball. Just the chances of it hitting you on yeah. the head are insane. Yeah. And then it bounces into your head. I mean, the only way it could have been more cartoonish and more Mr. Bean-like is if it had bounced off your head into the hole. But here's the other thing, which makes this even more cartoonish. In the same round, so this was the first round of golf I had ever played. It was like the fourth grade. It was a really short par three. I hit the ball pretty much all along the ground and got a hole in one. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I mean, 200 yard putt. Yeah. <laughs> Into the hole and then got knocked out. How did the parents respond to your new look? My parents would genuinely have just found that very, very funny. They, uh, and I think they did. They love stuff like that. Very, very funny people, my parents. Without really knowing it. <laughs> that's the best yeah, the best kind great. the ones the parents who go you split your head open oh yeah. you yeah, idiot they're sort of incredibly supportive and just sort of uh, they sort of didn't they didn't mind really at all actually to the extent that so my dad was a my dad was a bishop and he was quite, quite a senior bishop in the end so he was a diocesan bishop and when I after university when I sort of started doing what I do now, one of the first things I did was Spitting Image. And one of the first things on Spitting Image I did was the voice of the Archbishop of Canterbury. And my dad, which, and it wasn't a very flattering portrait, but my dad very um, proudly told the Archbishop of Canterbury <laughs> that, <laughs> that I did his voice. Well, that's like career suicide, isn't had, it? Um, had he seen it? Had the Archbishop of Canterbury oh, seen Spitting so. Image? Yeah, I would have thought so. Wouldn't you? If you were, uh, would if, he have been? If you were depicted in Spitting Image, if there was a Reese James puppet on Spitting Image, you'd be watching, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, of course. But I'm not in the line of work that the Archbishop <laughs> of Canterbury is. I mean, I don't know if this guy watches TV, but uh, I don't know. Did he? Was he happy that you? Like, yeah. imagine hearing the news. My son does the voice of you. Would he have been like, oh, great? Or as it was unflattering, would he have been angry then at your no, father? No, he didn't seem to be. I sort of, uh, I met him sort of in passing years afterwards. He seemed to be very happy about it. Didn't Very jolly he was. Forgiveness, in it? It's all it about is forgiveness. It's all about that, forgiveness, that, yeah. You're bound to go. You know also, what, here's happy, another thing. I have played on. table tennis with the Archbishop of York. Let's not go, let's not go any further. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's a shame there's not more time to delve deeper. Yeah. But you know, well, I'm happy to take the headlines and then just <laughs> simply move on. Um, well, Hugh, it comes to the time in the show where I must score your work on oh, uh, okay. three categories. Yeah. Um, there are three categories. Obviously, as always, the three categories are originality, um, yeah. pure teen <clears throat> horniness, and uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which is how close is it to your work now? How much potential does it show for the future star that you've gone on to be? So first of all is originality. Um, now, I don't know. I mean, I would say that the uh, the report certainly feels very original for a kid for me, just because it's got, even referencing the M1 alone, before you get into all the detail about the Watford Gap and the various service stations and just the, the minutiae of the timings and all of this sort of stuff, I'd say is original. The ballad is very ballady. Yeah. Because, and it did remind me of Spike Milligan, the first one. The second one felt very original. Your mum did write some of it. It's quite, is it quite tempting? Are you tempting to set it to music? You know, to get, put a guitar behind it and... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's sort of like a jangly piano, I think. Um, and actually, the f your final piece will be set to music. You'll oh, be that's perfect, to hear. Yeah. But 
They, uh, I, I do find them still very, especially for your age, they feel very original. Especially the, uh, the fact that you've got your own motif in there of you, you reference timings again in the ballad. I tell you what, it's I've always like been you, slightly worried about in the other ballad. I mean, in fact, no, in that ballad, in the first ballad, the 5D ballad, is that I reference myself. I've never been very comfortable with that. Seems a bit showy off it, doesn't it? You make this <laughs> but whole you do reference yourself in a. Yeah, your whole ballad <laughs> is really about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you swallow a pen, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, okay. So, what you mean is because it's in the third person, you say, and then there was another boy, Peter Dennis, and he did this. Yeah. You find that embarrassing. Well, just, yeah. You, you don't get William Shakespeare, doesn't reference himself, does he, in all his work? He invents someone else. <laughs> Well, I tell you what's more. I tell you what's more showy, Offy, is thinking that you're William Shakespeare. Uh, no, <laughs> it's comparing no, no, yourself to, to Shakespeare. No, I really don't. No. no. Um, well, I'm going to give you a four out of five for originality. No, I, I think. Uh, it just—it's not really like anything else we've had on early work. So, what um, have you mainly had? I mean, clearly, for. I've listened to every episode so far. But what? Um, <laughs> what have you had? Angsty stuff. Well, the one thing that we have had a lot is that everyone's poems are about this character called Peter Dennis. So yeah, that's uh, that is the weird thing that's in every episode. But um, a lot of angsty poetry, some song lyrics. Uh, to be honest, it's been arranged, but a lot of them follow a sort of heartbreak theme. Or um, there's only one person I can think of who reminds me a bit of your one is Jade Adams did this poem all about the flu that was a bit Spike Milligan. Yeah. And just like a sort of very jaunty, gentle poem that was like about a thing. But yours had a dark twist. So still four out of five for me. Uh, the next category is pure teen horniness. Now, I happen <laughs> to know that a young Peter Dennis was out there in Paris at discos yeah. doing whatever he wanted. So, I, you know, I know there was a streak running through him, but this is not at all represented in the we got on the M1 at eight to nine um, kind of wording of your work. You swallow a pen. I don't think that's a metaphor for anything. Uh, what if there was a girl out the, there who was genuinely interested in roots? Who was very... Yeah, it, had to, it would have to be... And roads. It would have to be pretty service Road station numbers. heavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And radio masks being both metal and wood. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's almost in negative equity here. I mean, like, score-wise, for pure teen horniness. There's, St. Swithin's Day is just no, it's a, not a horny day. No, I mean, I've, it's I, not the first time I've said it, and it won't be the last. It's just I don't not think St. Swithin is day. a horny saint, actually. I mean, it, you know, no. Joan of Arc, to a certain extent. But since Swithin, sure. <laughs> no. uh, I'll go zero. I've got to go no, zero. Go. Yeah, it's go. just not I'm present. Not I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Uh, the final category is the Mickey Mouse Club score. How close is it to your work now? Does it show the potential of a future star? Now, what I would say is that um, the the Ballad of Five D is at times quite Radio Four. There's a Radio Four element to Listen. it. Listen. I, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. <laughs> no, not I at think, all. It's not um, criticism. I think it, probably, to be fair, that is true, I think, because that's all my parents listened to. As far as I kind of grew mm. up on um, the Today programme. Well, I didn't grow, grow up on the Today programme, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah. That would have been very strange. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. to the Today programme, yeah. There's elements in there of sort of like... I don't know, like maybe it's kind of Pam Ayres type poem in there somewhere. Spike Milligan obviously had done stuff uh, for the BBC. Um, it kind of does show that there's also stuff in like the the Jaffa Cakes referencing reminded me of uh, your voiceover work. Um, I just think there's enough in there to give you a bit of a score. St. Swithin's Day, is that the sort of thing 
that you would go on a tangent about. I think I can imagine sitting next to you on Mock the Week and you bringing up St. Swithin's Day in some sort of story and then and then it becomes a through line for the episode where you talk about exactly, St. Swithin's yeah. Day a lot in the way well, the you, only in the way you have ever, about jam yeah, and exactly, stuff. Yeah, about marmalade. And, and let's not go into that yeah. because... That, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll never stop you. No. Um, so I'm going to go for three out of five for the Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which gives you a total of seven out of 15. Um, of course, let down by the horniness score, but that's a positive in many people's eyes. Uh, very respectable score, seven out of 15. Is it? Um... Yeah, mid mid table, you know. Is it mid table score? Uh, now I, it comes to the point of the show where I must read you a piece of my work and have you score it in return. Now I did have an angsty poem to read you, but I do. Act, uh, now that you've read me the Ballad of Five D, I did find a poem I wrote for my friend for his 18th birthday that references a lot of. It's kind of similar. It's a lot worse, but references a lot of stuff like that. So I'm just going to grab that instead because I think that's more appropriate. So It's good that you still have access to all this stuff. I had to... Um, it was a tremendous effort for me. You appear to be just sort of reaching across to a shelf where you have all this stuff yeah, a lot of, surrounding honest, you in a kind of comfort kind of way. Until now, everything has just been a saved file on a laptop uh, that I've just kept. It's all poems. But in this case, I went home recently and then went through an attic because I was running out of stuff and just found loads and loads of a lot of it's art a lot of it's like a weird drawing I did of a steeple piercing a cloud with the lightning coming out of it and tears nice it's just insane stuff that makes no sense or yeah there's anti-capitalist art everywhere I don't know how that I don't really understand that I'm a keen capitalist now as you know but um okay so here it is this is for my friend Sam Brennan um who by the way for listeners recently had a number one with uh he did the remix of the Weller Man Sea Shanty and went to number one. <laughs> um, but here's a, this, this is in the heady days before that. I wrote him this poem. <clears throat> uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to read it, by the way, because I know how bad this is and how rushed it was compared to your ballad, which is basically flawless. But here we go. 18 years since you got born on a crisp, cold winter morn, drank some milk from Ali's teat. With four years done, fate made us meet. One morning we awoke bright-eyed, probably arrogant, secretly petrified, with grey and yellow matching clothes, my curtained hair, your freckled nose. In no time we were back at yours, pretending we were breaking laws. I faked a motorbike on a rocking horse, you hit the air with a crowbar, of course. The playground date all said and done, we grew a bit, you more than some, and went to Luton to have an act. With Mickey and Lee, we made a pact. One of us said, I quite like girls, we both agreed, then love unfurled, as Melanie would call us cute, and we'd take the hard-to-get route. The stage was lit and we sat atop, your pocket trapped a certain prop. I said just mime, but you were quick, you artfully dodged and your pocket ripped. Oliver over, we brought some skates, went to the Pioneer and made more mates. Our love was Solomon, he knew how to roll, but like it all, it took its toll. So there we were, stood in my garage, don't get upset, this might disparage, but you ran in front of my dartboard so my brother DDT'd you on my floor. Months later, it was Christmas time. We killed 500 dynasty warriors at mine, then popped to Dixon's for a webcam each. 20 quid. Lab tech. What a peach. Of course, the acting did not stop. I asked if you'd seen James Bond or not. You said yes. I called your bluff. Uh, it's about the world not being enough. And then we went to Roundwood Park, did a shit showcase about detention lark. We knew it was shit, but then we did it again. Timmy Twink, MC Rizzler, such hideous men. In the meantime, we bounced well until the stage and and table fell yeah why was all we had to know judd les eric and ralph on show but that we headlined we fucking headlined i said we headlined and that's the end of the, beautiful. the rhyme <laughs> is great at the end um, yeah so well i've got a score that's that. well i would i think that is a lot more complicated 
Uh, is it what is what in terms of meter? What would you say metrically? What is the? What I think I just is. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I I don't think I stuck to a meter really. A lot of the syllables are all over the They're shop. Great. But one, it's what um, I... it's basically obviously just a bunch of private jokes between me and a guy. But clearly, we were in Oliver together, and we got into who skating. Essentially, that was, the, that was the bit I didn't. And who's tea? That's tea. his mum. That's his mum's name. So drank some milk from Ali's tea. It's such a weird. That's thing a really to really odd thing, isn't it? <laughs> And did your friendship survive that? I mean, I mean, I'm not sure you can make references yeah, to mean, your friend's mum, can you? Like that? I, it did survive it, and uh, I mean, I wonder if I even gave this to him. If this would be the first time he hears it, but I do. There's a bit. There's quite a romantic You're moment when a I big say assumption there that he's listening. Oh, he, he, he'll be listening. listening. Oh, he'll okay. be listening. Yeah. Um, there's a really romantic bit of my curtained hair, your freckled nose. It's just so. Yeah, no, that's. <laughs> someone um, is just a. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if there are yeah. any psychologists okay, well, listening, that would be interesting. Exactly. But I th- just for a bit of context for the ending, just so you've got it, that we headlined. I said we headlined. We fucking headlined thing is that we had to do a show. We were clearly doing bouncers at school in drama, and we had to do a showcase. And they just put us last on the billing. And being a little shit at sort of sixteen, we sort of were all just like, oh, we're headlining the music festival of these little plays we're doing. And then everyone got very upset, and it became a year-wide issue of uh, how, like, the teacher had to, pro- like, go on record as be like, it was random. It wasn't... And then I was like, yeah, 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 but we know that really, you know, ours was the best and we were headlining and it was a huge, huge issue. <laughs> but all because we were just being pricks. Yeah. Uh, so I need your scores. So out of five for each. First up, it's originality. Uh, what are you well, giving originality, that originality? I would give that... Um, this is out of out of five, you say? Or out of ten? Yeah. Out of five. Well, I, I felt it was slightly derivative. Um, but yeah. I'm not quite sure what of. Um, I would say <laughs> I'd give that a three, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. It didn't feel original to me. I mean, it's very specific because it's about something, but it's kind of, you know, this, these are ten a penny. Uh, okay. How about um, pure teen horniness? Well, in a, in a rather unexpected way, um, I, you know, the reference to Ali's teat and um, yeah. your freckled nose. My what? My what? Yeah. What? What were you? What were you con- curtained hair. Curtained hair. <laughs> yeah. What kind of curtains were they? Were they kind of? Oh, I just had the, like or, yeah, prob- um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hemmed. Hemmed. Beautiful. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd give that a four. I mean, I think there is a certain yeah. amount of um, unrequited. There's even a. We both like we. I quite like girls, and then a, a girl called Melanie calling us cute, yeah, and us playing hard to get. It all. Feels I'm kind of feeling there's quite a I lot of agree. kind of unrequited um, longing going on in that poem. Yeah, um, I don't remember it, but I mean, I've read that myself, and it does. F- yeah, it feels I would like agree. It. Yeah. Not something I'm interested in delving into this second, uh, but it's uh, we get to the last thing, which is Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. How close is it to my work now? Does it show the potential for what you know me to be and do? I've never heard you do a poem. Um, you do some quite long scenes, don't you, that are quite... <laughs> Here kind it of, comes. Oh, it's all coming like, out no, now, They're is quite it? sort of rhythmic and uh, involved, Typical Hugh, they? looking at his watch the whole time. <laughs> every time I stand up in the middle of it. on with it. 45 seconds? Come on. Leave it. Uh, I don't... <laughs> th- well, you know, in terms of the fact that you were happy to write... So, I mean, there must be so many people who've never written anything like that. I would say that... I'd give that another three. I'd say that points towards your... 
your future career. Fair enough. There's there's gags in there, but they're just quite niche and they're quite. I mean, they're personal. It's full of personal jokes that it would just take every line is kind of that. It would take so long to explain. So I mean, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take three out of five. But you but you also know, don't you? You know, like all comedians know that half of it is rhythm, though, isn't it? You know, you yeah, sort of like yeah. if you watch um, Dinner Ladies, uh, you know, Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies, for example, it's all rhythm. It's all rhythm jokes. Very, very funny rhythm jokes. But. Yeah. So I'm, I'll take a three out of five, which gives me a 10 in total out oh, of 15. Me. Oh, um, so do you know. I have you, beaten you. you um, OK. It was much less horny than I thought. <laughs> well, we'll clip that, just that sentence as the trailer. Uh, what, I would say, what I would say is, as I say on every episode, the scores are irrelevant, there are no winners, we are both losers. That's very much the message of early work. And now we come to the final piece, the final performance piece, uh, where you will play us out um, with a piece of your choosing that will be produced up. We will put music under, sound effects if we need to, and it will give the performance that you would have wanted as a child. So what have you got for us here? I've, got, I've only got two pages of this and it doesn't end. Um, but it's clearly I must have Perfect. liked it because I kept it. Um, and the, everything else would be on a bonfire, either of my own making or my parents, who were very, right. remarkably unsentimental about stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a sort of murder mystery. It's a, it's a little murder Ooh. mystery story that I haven't actually read at all. Yes. So I'm, this is the first time I've read this since I was, um, however old I was. I think this is when I was 11 as well. Clearly when I was 11, I kept a lot of stuff because I was... This is your output. I think it's because I was before the age of self-consciousness where you would just put it through a shredder, wouldn't you? Yeah, pre-shame. Pre-shame murder mystery. I love it. Okay. So um, I think it needs sort of murder mystery music. It doesn't go, okay. clearly doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't have a denouement. That'll be fun for the sound effects for the ending, for it to just sort of dwindle, just okay. to hang there. All right, I'm going to... OK, here we go. It doesn't have a title. Anyway. There have been quite a few kidnappings recently around the Barnstable Exeter area. Right here. Inspector... I'm going to start again. <laughs> I'm going to start again. Mind you, that might not be how it makes it onto the podcast. But anyway, in this version, I'm starting again. There have been quite a few kidnappings recently from around the Barnstable Exeter area. Right here. Detective Inspector Stevens jabbed his biro onto the map and made a thick red circle around the appropriate area. Strangely, they've all been young people and not from particularly rich families, so we have no idea what the motive can be. So where do I come in? Said a voice owned by a fair-haired man by the name of Thompson. The total so far is 21, and they wouldn't be at all surprised if there was another. That's where you come in, said Stevens. Hmm? What on earth do you mean? said a bewildered Thompson. You, my friend, are going to be kidnapped, said Stevens in a very low voice. We've had a tip-off from the Barnstable police that a certain Mr James Payton is going to be kidnapped. So you, my dear fellow, are now Mr James Payton. That afternoon, Thompson went down to Peyton's house. It was quite a nice day, and he didn't really feel like driving a car, especially someone else's. He felt very uncomfortable in Peyton's clothes, in fact, in everything he had on. Everything he was wearing were Peyton's. He was even wearing Peyton's socks. He felt like a dummy on which you put clothes to show off in a shop window. Suddenly, a car pulled right across his path and stopped. Two masked men came over to his car. The next thing he knew was that he was on some kind of sea transport. <laughs> Clearly missed quite a big chunk. 
Which type? <laughs> this is great, because I, I need to specify here. Which type of sea transport he did not know, as he was locked in what seemed to be some sort of cabin. Two hours later, the ship stopped abruptly, and he was ordered out of his cabin onto the deck. The hydrofoil, as it was, seemed to have docked on a small, barren island, the most striking feature of which was a large complex of white domed buildings, which to Thompson looked like laboratories. On the quay, there was a rather strange vehicle, which resembled a German half-track. <laughs> this, he presumed, was to take him to the complex, and he was right. Once inside the complex, he was taken to some quarters in which he stayed locked in until one of the scientists came to take him to their head, Dr. Wilkinson. Wilkinson was a fat man who looked rather like a prized tomato and also a mean and cruel man. Cautiously, Thompson asked him why he had been kidnapped. Surprisingly, and that's where that's the oh oh my god that is <laughs> the biggest cliffhanger I've ever surprisingly. Heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an ending. That's like a record scratch, I think it's got to be almost. Well, you can't stop there, Mr. Derek. Uh, so did you stop there or have you just lost no, the I've other lost page? I've lost the other page. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Oh, well, I I, I mean, it's fantastic. We just get just we get all the setup, all the information of this yeah. uh, sting operation. Um, there's, oh, there's a few things I'll just quickly reference, which are... Um, Classic Dennis jabbed his bio onto the map. You'd have bloody loved that. I did love it, yeah. Uh, Circled it in red. I've done that. I've done that. There was a brief... Yeah, yeah, yeah of course you have. <laughs> Orienteering, I imagine. Um, brief moment where you forgot both the words mannequin and boat, and you just <laughs> used... <laughs> he was on some sort of sea vessel, uh, and then the other one with the mannequin one was you say, he felt like a dummy you'd use in a shop to put clothes on to show what the yeah. clothes are like. Um, yeah, I don't think I knew the word mannequin. Um, I don't think I'd have forgotten it. I mean, it's a, it's a very, oh, it's right, a very funny enough. word, isn't yes. it, Mannequin? Exactly, and specificity, of course, uh, is the key to comedy. Uh, and yeah, I really like the way you described Dr. Wilkinson was a man who, a fat man who looked like a prized tomato, but also looked like a mean and cruel man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looked like a mean and cruel prized tomato. Just uh, clearly, I, I dismissed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All you got to do is just put that yeah. together. Uh, it's great. And what an ending. I mean, what a way... What a way to end a story. Surprise. More stories should end like that, really. Just surprisingly, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And then imagine getting to the end of a book and it's that. Ah, oh, I like it. New genre. I was wondering, actually, whether um, I had created my own advert break at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just room for you to come in with Jaffa Cakes and yeah. Tudor and Sweet Corn. There it was, Hugh Dennis. What a special guest he was. Bit of an abrupt ending there, but that's what I have to work with recording-wise. Go and... You can't even follow Hugh, actually. He's not on social media, so go and do nothing. Do nothing. Maybe what you should do is subscribe to my other podcast, Fit and Proper, in which we invite a guest on to take over a football club of their choice and do nonsense stuff like, you know, so far people have put a bee's nest above the away fans or a big go ape above the pitch. In case you get bored and you want a different kind of view, all sorts of nonsense stuff happens on there. You don't need to like football to like it. Guests so far include, you know, your classics, Rob Beckett, Sarah Keyworth, Ian Sterling, Tom Rosenthal, Chloe Petz, all the usual suspects. Go and check that out. Uh, chuck this one a review if you fancy, but who cares ultimately? Just enjoy yourselves, enjoy your lives, enjoy Hugh Dennis, and enjoy saying I love you to a stranger. Goodbye. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.